I love people who are doers. What I mean is people who see something they want done and they do it. They want to create change. They want to impact their community or their world. They want to leave a legacy. And they don't just sit around and talk about it or think about it. They do it. I admire people who step out of their comfort zones and into the uncomfortable and unfamiliar and just do it. I guess Mikey had something when they created that slogan. Regardless, my guest today is the epitome of a doer. She is someone who saw an area in which she could partner with those who needed a partner and make real, lasting change. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Emily Connell Umansor, founder of Solo Hope. Solo Hope began in 2012 after Emily began listening to women in rural Honduras describe the challenges they face every day to overcome poverty. Today, Solo Hope works with over 10 women, as well as two additional co-ops to create designs for home and body, starting conversations that matter. Emily and her family live full-time in Honduras, and I was so excited and honored that Emily was actually in the States, and we were able to do this interview in person, which was so exciting. I always love having people live in the studio, and it was just such a joy to have her and finally connect in person, and this was an amazing conversation, and I know you are going to love it. So without further ado, on to my chat with Emily. Emily, I am so excited to have you here in the studio with me. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here, too. And you quite literally just got into town. Yes. As in, like, in the last hour. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We really did. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, just real quick before we dive in. So you um, and your family, which we're going to talk about, you live in Honduras. We do. um, But you are here in the States for a couple of months. You got here. um, So, I mean, obviously this is airing. By the time this airs, you'll already be back in Honduras. But um, we're, you know, here in December right now. And so you are, you got here at the about About a month ago. Okay. Okay. And then you leave in January. So you're here about Mm -hmm. two months. That's amazing. It is. It's a challenge too, but it's great. Yeah, because you also have your kids with you, which is like anytime you're traveling with kids is a challenge. And then the fact that you guys are traveling for two months with your kids is... Yes, yes. Especially getting them out of their routines and it makes for an interesting adventure, but it's an adventure still. Yes, (laughs) yes, absolutely. Well, um, I want to waste no time because there's so many questions that I have. Um, So Emily, I'm going to have you do what all my guests do and that's give us the Emily 101. So tell us who you are your story and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, my name is Emily Connell Umansor and I am from Georgia. I'm a South Georgia girl. Grew grew up there and so that is the reason for the accent, of course. Um and then somehow found myself in love with a country called Honduras. And so I am also a mom. I have two little ones, a stepdaughter and then a 1-year-old. 
and um, my husband is awesome. We were just talking about it a little bit, but our our family life is all done in Spanish. So when we're at home, we speak just in Spanish. And then, um, like you said, we live in Honduras, and we do that because we run Solo Hope, an organization that I started back in 2012. And so we work. It started out working with artisans. We work with about 10 artisans now, and now we do a lot of other things, too. We work with a coffee farm. We do some community development, but it's at the heart of it is the artisans that we work with. That's so awesome. Now, I have, like I said, a lot of questions. So, um, you know, first, how when you say that, you know, at 16 years old, you fell in love with a country called Honduras, how did that happen? Okay. How does a girl from South Georgia with a thick Southern accent, a thick, which one. I love, which I love, because I mean we're here in North Carolina, so there's a lot of there's a lot of thick Southern accents. Which, uh, quick digression: my mother-in-law is, who's just such a sweet woman. She is born and raised in North Carolina. She has a real thick <laughs> Southern accent. It's real thick, but it's funny because I remember very vividly when I first, you know, my husband and I first started dating. And we were talking about something with accents. And my, I remember my mother-in-law was like, I don't have an accent. And we were all like, wait, what? But the funniest thing is my six-year-old, Lily, does an impression of her grandmother now. And it is the funniest oh thing. It cracks, it cracks my mother-in-law up. Because, like, Lily will be like, she'll be like, I don't have the ball. And, like, Lily just really over-exaggerates it. Anyway, okay. So, Pretty funny. Right now. Okay, so how does... A girl from South Georgia with a thick Southern accent come to fall in love with Honduras, marry a man from Honduras, have kids in Honduras, and speak only Spanish at home. Like, how does that happen? God. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I love it. I, I'm just really, I want to hear that story. So, okay. I don't know how far we want to go back. But when I was 10 years old, and I know this is going way back, but... I remember my 10th birthday, and I remember waking up that morning and feeling like the Lord said you were going to go to China, that I was going to go to China. So um, I was at a friend's house, and I remember when I woke up, and I felt this, and I told my friend, and she was like, really? Yeah, you're going, because, you know, childlike faith, anything's possible. And so um, that's kind of how it started, just that curiosity of other countries and other cultures, and then... Uh, when I was 16, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Honduras. But, I mean, God had said China. So I was like, no, I don't think there's any need to go. But um, a mentor said, no, I think it would be a good experience. So when I went, I, I can, to this day, I can remember when I got off the plane, I just felt like I was stepping on, on out onto another home. I mean, it just felt like home. And so I got addicted. I had to keep going back and going back and going back. And then um, after I learned a lot about the culture, that's really how Solo Hope came out of all of this, is seeing women who had, I mean, they were facing the most tremendous challenges and obstacles trying to raise their children, and there's no job opportunities. Um, I also saw the side of it where the men were a lot of times absent. They were alcoholics. It was such a a negative perspective, I guess, of the Honduran men. So, of course, I said I would never marry a Honduran. <laughs> and God's like, God's like, that's cute. Yes. Um, and so I ended up marrying a Honduran. But, I mean, that's how it is. It really is God. I can't explain it any other way, but 
I mean, it's just a God adventure that he has done. And that's how I ended up here. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Now, how did you meet your husband? Um, so back in 2016-ish, I think, um, I had a team that came down and this guy shows up to drive for me. So I would always contract transportation. And so he was the driver and I had met him one time before, but this time it was just like, we could not stop looking at each other. (laughs) And so we just hit it off and it was so funny because like God had given me the word home for that year. And I knew when God gave me the word home for 2016, I knew he was saying, I'm going to give you a husband, but I'm like super spiritualize it and say, Oh, I'm going to find my home and God. But I knew what he was saying. And so he made it happen. And we got married fairly quickly. We were married by the end of the year. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I don't know if I would recommend that again, but (laughs) I I wouldn't do it any other way. Wow. Wow. And what's your husband's name? His name is Ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yes. I love that. I yes. love that. And so y'all started dating, got married very quickly. Did you get married in Honduras or here? We did. We did. You got married, got in, married Honduras. in Honduras? That's amazing. Yes. Now, That's a whole other story, but we won't go down okay. that route. Well, right I just have, okay, so uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, I think um, this, this interview airs two weeks after hers, but I had... Um, an awesome woman by the name of Petronella Lugemwa on the show who is a um, multicultural uh, wedding photographer. And so we talked a lot about like multi-ethnic weddings, multicultural weddings. Um, We talked about different like unique wedding uh, kind of you know traditions and stuff so I have to ask since we're on the heels of that conversation um, what is one or like two really kind of um, like traditional Honduran uh, you know things that you guys included in the in the wedding Hmm. so in Honduras like there's two ceremonies Mm. you have the civil ceremony and then you have the the church service Mm. so the civil is done the day before and then the church is afterwards so typically you get married in a church you know you don't do venue and so I had this place picked out that I wanted to get married at and it was this overlook it was beautiful you could see the mountains for miles and miles and miles and everyone was just like whatever you want I will do it doesn't matter to me but his grandmother showed up and we had told her we had told her where we were going to have it and she shows up and she's like where's the church (laughs) we're like (laughs) I guess we're in God's church right now. Right. <laughs> um, but we did that. Then there was there was a lot of, I mean, there's food. Like, you have to have a, a supper for your wedding. Like, it's not an option. I had thought we'd just do heavy hors d'oeuvres, and you had to have a meal. Um, so his family actually butchered a cow for us. And oh, that's my goodness. what we had. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> that is... That's amazing. I love it. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but your husband doesn't speak English, no. which I just think is, I think it's so amazing I, that and so beautiful the way that your kids have such a unique 
um, ability now to grow up in a multicultural mm-hmm. home. They're you know the they're going to be bilingual, yeah. um, and just the the things that your kids are learning from such an, an early age, and just what a beautiful picture. Uh, this is a conversation actually Petronella and I had a lot. It was just like I love um, multicultural uh, marriages and weddings and things because it just really is such a beautiful picture of God's creation. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, it's just I just have such a love and appreciation for that. So I just I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's so awesome. But yeah, you were like, yeah, he doesn't speak English. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I was like, wait, do your parents speak English you're like, or to speak Spanish? And you're like, nope. So I was like, wait, how does he communicate with his in-laws? Like, I have questions. I have logistical <laughs> questions. Um, not in like a negative way. I'm just genuinely curious. <laughs> I'm always the person my whole life. This and this is always how I've been on the podcast, too, where I'm like, I'm going to be the one that's going to ask the question that everyone else is thinking. Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, do it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Emily, you're fantastic. Okay, so uh, so Solo Hope, that's the whole reason you were in Honduras mm-hmm. to begin with, is you started um, an amazing organization called Solo Hope. So talk about, you know, what does the name mean? How did that get started? The mission of it? Everything. Okay. So um, I had been working with some other ministries and organizations, and um, but through time of going to Honduras and building relationships, the things you see, you know, they just break your heart. And I think those things that really pull at your heart are those things that oftentimes God's like, okay, this is what you, you need to do something here. Um, so I had began to see like, you know, these women who would receive, maybe they'd receive something, financial support from an organization or something, but then by the time that was gone, they were back in the same place, the same position. And so I really saw a need for jobs. So we began um, back in 2012. I met with a lady named Dilcia, and I have no experience in design. I do enjoy it, but I, I have no experience in it. And so I met with a lady named Dilcia, had some rough sketches of some bracelets. And I said, Dilcia, do you think it's possible? And so all of our products are made out of pine needles and thread. We have, we've expanded a little bit now, but the originals were all from pine needles and thread. She had this skill. She just didn't have a market. And so once I showed her those pictures, she's the one who made it come to life. And then she very quickly told her best friend, who's Mary Bell, that, hey, come come work with me on these bracelets. And that's how it really began. And those ladies have my heart. They have my heart. Like, I think that's probably the biggest privilege of getting to work in Honduras and live there is that I get to work with them, like face-to-face, one-on-one. And that is a privilege. There's nothing like it. And... I don't know. I could. I can talk so much about it. So maybe, maybe you yeah. Have please some specifics. do. Please do. Please okay. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so we started back in 2012, and then um, gradually, I, at the time, I was working full time. I had a, a nice paying job, and then in 2013, I felt like the Lord said, "Emily, it's time to take a risk." And so I quit my full time job. I moved to Honduras for four months. And began working on a product line so that we would have more to offer to our customers here in the States. And, um, you know, God always does more than what you're planning on. So there was a lot more that took place in those four months than just working with the artisans. At the time, I had a couple girls who lived with me who had left an orphanage and just all kinds of things. Life, you know, just life. Um, But there again, it just... At every corner, it seemed to just reiterate that need for jobs. Um, 
women who have a job, there is a dignity that comes with that that you don't get when it's just a financial support. Like yeah. when you're earning yeah. it, there's just something that happens internally. Um, so we added an artisan in 2013. We had three ladies. And then we've gradually added to our group. We have about 10 ladies who work with us. We have tags now that the artisan sign. Um, and recently I was looking at tags and I was like, wait a minute, I don't know this person. Who is this? <laughs> so the ladies we're working with now are contracting people to help them too. So I feel like that is everything. That yeah. is everything when they're taking the ownership and saying, hey, we need help. Let me see if I can find somebody in the community who can help me and who needs a job. Yeah. Um, so it's so special to get to see the ownership that they're taking yeah. of it. And I really say it's because of their yes. I mean, Solo Hope would not exist if it had not been because of them saying yes. Yeah. Um, they took a chance on a crazy gringa girl, <laughs> and and God has been faithful. He's been good to us. That is amazing. So when somebody asks you, what do you do? do How do? do you answer that? <laughs> um, that is a hard question. It is answer. a hard question. Um, I would say that I work with artisans we design um oh my gosh that's the worst question I, I get know all the time who say what's your title I'm like I don't know yeah. <laughs> I don't know what my title is I work really hard and yeah um but I mean like I think a lot of times we glamorize we'll look at somebody in business and think oh they're doing so great or they're doing this or they're living abroad or whatever but like for me, a lot of it comes down to like a lot of hard work, mm. which I'm sure you get. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only these small pieces, small moments that people see in front of them. And then the rest is just behind the scenes hard work. Um, we face challenges. It's hard doing, doing business in a country like Honduras where there's so many challenges that you face. Um, but the thing that I, I like to say too is that I just get to care for hearts. Like I really want to care for the hearts of our artisans. That's really important to me. So we sometimes we get a call at four o'clock in the morning and they need a ride to the hospital and we go get them. Um, we do things like that because we're family. I mean that's that's how life with them is and and that's how they treat me too. Like this year um, was a very difficult year, very challenging. And I saw kind of like things come f- full circle um, where in the past maybe it was, and I hate even saying it like this because I don't want it to ever seem like, oh, you know, I'm the one doing something to support them. It's not that way at all. But um, sometimes it would be like I would pray for them. But this <laughs> year, this year they were the ones praying for me. Oh, wow. I remember a really specific day that I was having just a hard, hard day thinking, God, we're not going to be able to continue this. Like, I don't know how we do this anymore. And I got out to where we have our artisan meetings, and I was just honest. I just told them where we were, and I cried. And then they were like, we're going to pray for you. And Mm -hmm. so they gathered around me, and they prayed for me. And I'm not going to (laughs) cry. But just, just the beauty of that. They are my sisters, and it is just the greatest privilege of my life to get to work with them so (laughs) oh Emily thank you for sharing that now where in Honduras are you 
like do because I know you said you live in the mountains mm-hmm. of um remind me one more time what was it we're called? in La Esperanza La Esperanza that's right so you're now are all of the artisans in that area as well yes so all of our artisans are in that area um so we work with the ladies who do the pine needle weaving and so we do baskets home goods jewelry and then we've expanded to to include some of the hand-loomed goods that are traditional to that area so we're really using traditional art so the the weaving that the ladies do that's a traditional skill um the hand looming we have scars that the ladies another group of women we work with they also do that it's a traditional skill um and then some things like we've added some little leather goods here and there um and that's just all relationship based we meet someone we're like oh okay they need some support they have this skill so let's connect them to this market. And that is, but we're all based there in La Esperanza. I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Emily to share with you the brand new spring-summer 2020 collection from Seiko Designs. The Hopefully Yours collection has everything from handcrafted legacy leather goods to hand-woven and block-printed textiles. Each piece in this collection is truly something to be treasured and celebrated, just like you. We promise that these pieces are going to become treasured items in your collection, telling not just a story of your personal style, but of hope, resilience, and belief. Now, my personal favorites from the Hopefully Yours collection are the vintage satchel in the gorgeous mixed metallic leather, the circle crossbody bag in cognac, the split seam blouse in the blush ecot, and the short caftan in hide and seek. Every single piece is absolutely stunning, and I know you are going to love it. So to shop this incredible collection, go to SeikoDesigns.com forward slash Molly Stillman. That's S-S-E-K-O designs.com slash Molly Stillman. Now back to my conversation with Emily. If you guys remember back in um, the holiday season, we featured Solo Hope on the um, on the annual gift guide. And I, I mean, I just, I have been raving about the, the baskets that, I mean, because they're just, they're so beautiful. And so that's one of the things that um, my friend Em and I were actually talking about. It's just like the attention to detail, but like, I love that it really infuses kind of a modern style mm-hmm. that is beautiful and trendy. I mean, I feel like it's something you would see in, you know, like an anthropology or a pottery right. barn or something like that. But then it's, so it's infusing that modern style along with that traditional. Yes technique and so it just it it really does it really is a product that tells a story and so it's it's cool to know the traditional um kind of style behind it um obviously the beautiful um you know the beautiful work that is put into it um the artisan's story but also at the you know the 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 best part about it is that it's a product that Again, I feel like I would see it on the shelves of a pottery barn or a crate and barrel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but really, I mean, and I think that that's something that is that's important um, in 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 the grand narrative because, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not making a product that people are going to buy, then (laughs) yeah, and that's something we actually talk with our artisans about is like we don't want to create something that 
is going to be a charity buy. You know, like we want people to want this product. We want them to go, oh, wow, they are artists. Um, So we really work hard to create things that we think our customers here in the U.S. are going to enjoy. They're going to use over and over again because these products are going to last a long time. So um, we want it to be something classic and timeless that they can use over and over and over again. Yeah, that's just that's so, 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 so important. Um, and so I just love how you you started small. You really saw this need. Um, but I think it's also really important just to highlight that that detail that you have really empowered these women to take charge of this. And you're just kind of there as a support system along yeah, the way. Absolutely. Um, so do you have like, you know, how does it work? Because you're obviously in large part selling the products here in the in the U.S. So how does that work? Like, do you have a U.S. office kind of thing? <laughs> or? We do have an office here stateside. Um, we're down in Georgia. <laughs> um, so we have an office in my hometown. And then we, we've gone through a lot of transition this year. So we're just kind of getting our, our bearings back again. Um, we have someone who's coming on board next year to help us really work towards growing our stateside sales here. Um, because if we don't have the sales, like we... <laughs> We can't yeah. do what we do in Honduras, <laughs> and that's really important. Um, so we are working on building our team. I think that's something we've really seen the need for this year is, especially as a mom, like I can't, before I would spend hour, like 60, 70 hours a week working on this. Now I can't do that. And I, I, I honestly don't want to. I want my kids to see me. <laughs> um, so we're just trying to see how we build the best team to to serve everybody well yeah that's so I love that that because that's you're you're thinking kind of in a you're thinking ahead you're thinking forward you're thinking about what is the next step and um not just kind of running the hamster wheel because yeah. so, so that's so hard as an entrepreneur sometimes we get into these modes where we're just we're just running on the hamster wheel um yes. so well I just think I think that's amazing um So I want to ask you just a little bit more about like, what is it like to live in Honduras? And, um, and we also talked about this before we were recording, but you are like, you said you don't say you're fluent in Spanish, but I'm like, but if your husband doesn't speak English, I feel like you're probably pretty fluent. Um, And you're like, there's some conjugations that trip me up, Uh, which, uh, so I, my daughter is in Spanish immersion in her elementary school. And um, I am, I took Spanish in high school. So obviously I'm fluent. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and I'm retaking it on a Duolingo. <laughs> that, hey, it works. Hey, it works. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's the the verb conjugations, man. It always messes me up. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Is it esta, estas, estamos? I don't know. It's um, hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I guess I am fluent, but it feels weird to say that because there's pieces of the Spanish language that I still... I can't speak well. I can listen and hear it and understand it perfectly fine. But I, I feel like to say I'm fluent, I need to be a little bit better with some of the conjugations. <laughs> um, but living in Honduras is is an adventure at times. Yeah. It's definitely different than living here in the U.S. One yeah. of the first things when we get to the U.S., my husband says, these roads are so boring because they're so smooth. And there, the roads are, are crazy. I mean, like, you can eat up a truck in no time at all we have power outages on the regular um 
water sometimes, sometimes not. <laughs> and we live in a colonial, so that's supposed to be, you know, a little bit nicer. And what, is, what do you, when you say that, what is that? A colonial is kind of like a subdivision. Oh, okay. So we should have water every day, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there's cows in the roads. There's, I mean, there's just, it's kind of like stepping back in time, which yeah. is funny because I always said, I want to live in the olden days. And so I kind of got. <laughs> God's like, yeah, I got you. Go. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and then like our artisans, they've actually, their area has just gotten electricity. So they've lived for years and years without electricity. Now, the funny thing is like, oh, we can work later if we want to. <laughs> so it's funny that they're they're seeing those things as a, a way to support their work too. Yeah. Um, where we work, because now we do some community development work too, and that's led by my husband. Um, those are extremely rural, remote areas. They don't have electricity. They don't have transportation that comes because yeah. most places have buses. Um, they don't have anything like that. They're... Their teachers ride motorcycles in to get wow. there. So it's just a completely different yeah. world. It literally is like yeah. stepping back in time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. What has been the best part about living in Honduras? Like, what do you love about Honduras that maybe you don't get here in the United States? I think people live more there. Like, I mm. think that. Because here in the U.S. we're so busy. Like, it, we're time is money, and that's our theory for life. Whereas in Honduras, it's fine to just go to somebody's house and visit and drink coffee, and you're not wasting time. You're mm-hmm. just living life. Mm-hmm. Um, I Even there, because, you know, I'm still having to keep in touch with everything going on here in the U.S., it's easy for me to lose that, but it's so important. And when I just go to someone's house and – literally can spend hours just drinking coffee and talking that reminds me what life is really all about and mm. it's about relationship and and taking time to 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 see each other yeah. to really see each other and I think we lose that a lot here in the U.S. Wow wow yeah no I completely agree and that's one of those things that I've like in the last couple of years with kids have started to be because like with kids it's so hard you're just you're constantly running around and you're you know the kids are loud and they're crazy and you know you're you have these activities and this thing to do and sometimes I'm like man I just I can't wait till I have a weekend where we have nothing Mm -hmm. and I can just sit and enjoy my family or we can have a neighbor over yes yes you know yes and that is just an integral integral part of Honduras, living in yeah. Honduras, people, um, you know, they like here you could could live your whole life and not know your neighbor, which yeah. I think is so sad. But there, you know, your neighbors, if they need something, you're there for them. Um, you know, like my neighbor, she takes care of my little boy. And I was so nervous at first to ask her to do that. But afterwards, she was like, oh, I would love to do that. And it's made her feel just a part of the family so it's just really getting to see people I think we really really miss out on that sometimes here yeah yeah now what is one of the most challenging parts of living there or maybe one of your not so favorite parts about living there my mama ain't there yeah (laughs) (laughs) um that's probably close to the truth like I miss my family um 
you know, some of the other things can be frustrating, like having to stand in line at a bank for hours can be frustrating, but it's just part of life there. Yeah. And so I think the part is just missing family. I, yeah. I do miss my family a lot. Um, I'm thankful for technology so we can FaceTime, but yeah. that's probably the most difficult part yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Are you, uh, does everyone in the community just call you a gringa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. My little boy is, um, I, I think I can say this, but my little boy is like really white. <laughs> and so it's funny because every, everybody knows like me and my, like my husband's Honduran. And so yeah. they, this little white boy comes around and they have a, a name, they call him Chele and it means little white boy. <laughs> and he has blonde hair. It's the oh funniest thing. That's so we go to a restaurant, everybody wants to hold him and touch his little golden hair and <laughs> Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's a little crazy. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. It's just, I mean, I've seen pictures of your sweet family and they are Aww. just, it's just so, so cute. I love them. I love it. I love it. Um, so what are your, you know, kind of dreams and hopes and vision for, for Solo Hope here in the next even kind of few years? I think the biggest thing is I want to see growth. Mm. Um, over this year, and I and I want to balance that with how we see success because this year I think I've come to a kind of a realization that I would I've always been thinking oh we didn't meet this sales goal or we didn't do this or we're struggling financially in this area or whatever, and I've thought well we're failing mm-hmm. or somebody else could do this better and the truth of the matter is probably somebody else probably could do this better but God's asked me to do it. And so kind of redefining what success looks like and seeing this year um, some of the things our artisans have done. um, Even in one of our artisan meetings, we got on the topic of um, alcoholism and almost all of our artisans are impacted somehow by that. And one one of the ones I was talking to and she was saying, um, her husband, he drank, and when he starts drinking, he he gets violent. And mm-hmm. I said, "Well, does he ever hit you?" And she said, "I wouldn't let him." And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> like that is wow. success. I mean, wow. that's success that a woman because I knew her years ago, and this same woman wouldn't have had the confidence to stand up to her husband and say, "You're not going to hit me." And so to hear her say that and even the way she said it was with so much confidence I'm like that's success and so I want to make sure that that's always on the forefront of my mind that that's what success is that we already are a success um but I do want to hit those sales goals and I want us to grow financially so we can grow more with our artisan team um and and expand our team to do more in their communities. There's lots of needs in their communities that I would love for us as a group to be able to meet. So um, nobody ever likes to talk about numbers, but sometimes you do. And I'm just believing God for big things for 2020. That's awesome. That's awesome. Emily, this has been so much fun. Um, Thanks for answering all my probably stupid questions. No, Uh, questions. (laughs) Um, But before we go, uh, we're going to transition just to some fun get to know you questions, like some lighthearted questions that uh, I love to ask. My listeners love to hear the answers to. So, uh, Emily, are you ready? 
Okay, I guess. All right. Okay, question number one. This is one of my favorite questions to ask. I ask it a lot. Um, so if you were a professional athlete, let's think baseball player, okay? okay. <laughs> As you are stepping up to the plate, what is your walk-up song? What is the song that is, like, hyping you up? Oh, my gosh. Um, this might sound a little cheesy, but I just heard Ren Collective's new song that's called Revival Anthem. Mm. I think it's called that. And, I like, as I listen to that, I get pumped up. So All right. I'm going to say that one. <laughs> All right. I'm writing that one down because I haven't heard of it. But <laughs> uh, I'm writing it down as we speak. <laughs> um, okay. Question number two. Um, of all of your pet peeves, which one is the strangest? The strangest. The strangest pet peeve. You said pet peeve, and the only thing that came to mind is smacking. I cannot stand when someone smacks. So I don't know if I have another like, one. Like, like, like when they're smacking their gum or oh, their food or something. Yeah. It will literally make me mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, my weirdest pet peeve, I'm just going to answer it too. My weirdest pet peeve is um, like, why would this be a pet peeve? But it's just top of mind because it's raining today. So if it's raining and you're in the car and like a single drop of rain is like dropping down, like running down the windshield and you don't turn on the windshield wipers to move it. Like... <laughs> I get so mad. So, like, anytime my husband is driving, because he waits until, like, the last minute to put on the windshield wipers. And so, like, it'll start raining, and I'll just be, like, starting to sit there, and there's, like, drops of water on the windshield. And I'm like, why haven't you turned on the, the windshield wipers? And I'm like, yeah, I need you to turn on the windshield wipers. Like, <laughs> why? Why is that a thing that annoys me? I have no idea. It's not, not him. Like, just... If there's water droplets on the windshield, it just makes me want to like that start twitching. Is Isn't that weird? Yes, it is. It is weird. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, what is something that is really important to you, but you don't get a chance to talk about it a lot? Hmm. Oh, goodness. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I talk a lot. <laughs> You're like, I talk um, about the things that are important to me all the time. Let's see. I don't know. Like, I, I probably do talk about this, and it kind of goes hand in hand with some of, you know, the reason why we do Solo Hope. But I think orphan prevention mm. is mm. something that is a passion of mine, and it is why we do what we do, because yeah. we want to see families stay together and yeah. not end up in orphanages. We, like, I... That's kind of how that's my very first trip to Honduras was to an orphanage. And now to have learned over the years that it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Right. So right. Um, that's probably something I don't talk about a lot, but it is definitely a passion and oh, very it's important. So important. Yeah. I mean, I say that all the time, just thinking about like, um, you know, there's such a misconception that the kids that are in orphanages are orphans, and a lot of them are not. No. A lot of them are not, and a lot of them, they're just parents just simply can't take care of yeah. them. Um, yeah, and I don't think that because a, a parent can't financially take care of their child, that's not a good enough reason to put right. them in, a, in an orphanage. Right. So we as the church need to be doing more to step mm -hmm. up to help that family as a whole, yeah. not just say, oh, here, here's a place, right. but help that family as a whole. Right. Agreed. Agreed. And goes back to what you're saying, like jobs. It's there's a need yes. for jobs. And I talk about this on, on the podcast a lot is just jobs end poverty. Yes, that's the Absolutely. key. That's the key. Charity's great. 
but jobs are going to end poverty. Yeah. So absolutely, that's so important. Um, now, food in Honduras. What's your favorite traditional or like? What's your favorite meal in Honduras? Mm, I guess it would be baleadas. And what is that? So a baleada is a large cor- um, flour tortilla, and then it has beans, like refried beans on it, and then egg, and then mantequilla, which is like a white, it's almost like a sour cream, mm. um, and then a little bit of, it's a special cheese they have, and so, then they fold it up. So that's probably my favorite. Um, that and that's delicious. what Honduras is known for, is baleadas. Okay, so that really sounds delicious. <laughs> um, yes, I need that in my belly stat. <laughs> Well, come see me in Honduras. Yes. We'll make it happen. Yes. Okay. Um, and then my last question is um, the question I ask all my guests, and that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Oh, I think that thing of keeping at the forefront of your mind what success truly is mm-hmm. and that it's not just numbers-based, but it is about the personal relationships that are built yeah. and the lives that are impacted. Yeah. Um, and the stories that are told through having a job. Yeah. I mean, that is running a business with impact. Mm. I love that. Emily, thank you so much Aww, for coming you. all the way up from Honduras <laughs> to be here live. Okay, you didn't actually come from Honduras to be here with me, but I'm going to pretend that you did. We can, pretend. <laughs> we can pretend that you just like came. But I mean, the fact that you guys have been you know, in the car for hours and you're here, here and you stopped here. I mean, I'm just so grateful for you taking time and, uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you for the work you're doing with Solo Hope. And uh, I can't wait to see all of your dreams and visions yes. come to fruition. And thank you for having me. This is an honor. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something you learned. Let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener, thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, Spotify, and basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review for me? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.